The following content is not suitable for children. Okay, Lori. Today, let's see if we can reconcile the whore Madonna split. Woof. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. For a great personal lubricant, please check out uberlube.com and use the coupon foreplay to support us at the podcast. Thanks. I think you just enjoyed saying that, George. I felt the emotion swirling inside of me. <laughs> so the horror Madonna split, what is it? That's what we're going to talk about first. Basically, there's a difficulty in long-term relationship. And the first person who kind of coined this was Freud. And I know there's a lot of anti-Freuders out there. And, you know, Freud had a huge contribution to the field, but he really did not know about the research zero to five years old. So he didn't understand attachment theory. Therefore, a lot of what he contributed had missing parts. But I think this one, he got it. And he treated particularly men who would say, you know, I have a wife and I have a mistress. And, you know, I love my wife. I love her to bits and she's my partner and we're having children together, but I want my mistress and I don't really want my wife. And so he said, where they love, they cannot desire and where they desire, they cannot love. Because the man didn't want to go and live with his mistress. He wanted that separate. He wanted that split off from the mundane. My interpretation is he wanted his cake and eat it too. <laughs> and, it, and that's how it was done, right? It was done in two people. And I, I think that still it, it's really difficult. This is one of the problems with monogamy is all of us, live with somebody and we see them in very ordinary states. We see them get out of bed with greasy hair and we see them on the toilet. We see them managing the children. We see them mismanaging money. We see them, you know, just in grumpy moods, cranky moods, impatient moods. And how do we keep that sexy part of them that we might also know from the past or that it can be present. How do we keep both of those things alive? How do we keep living with somebody in the mundane stuff and see them as our wildly sexy lover? That's the difficulty. Well, hopefully you're going to give us good news about that. <laughs> That's the intention. I also want to mention that I think women... Certainly they do this with their partners. You know, they see their male partner as he's all about work. He isn't the guy. He doesn't romance me, all these kinds of things. So she has trouble and she splits him as well, only sees the boring, mundane part instead of the, the erotic. But I think women particularly split themselves. And this especially happens with children. So once she becomes mother... You know, frequently she sees herself as all giving, always available to the children. I can't possibly put a lock on my bedroom door even for an hour because, 
the children might need me. And so she really is the Madonna, the all-giving mother. And she splits off the whore part. And I think that that can be a, a difficult word for a lot of women. But let's say the party girl. And she splits that off and buries that and doesn't see that these two parts of herself can be living at the same time, can be alive at the same time. Do you know what I'm talking about, George? I do. I, I, I would add another version to that. I think I, I see a lot of women who really want a sensitive co-partner who they can do life with, mm-hmm. right? But sexually, there's still a, wanting a caveman, some kind of different kind of take charge, powerful figure that is often not what they're looking for as far as everyday partnering. So very similar to that horror Madonna complex, except we're going to call it co-partner caveman complex. I like that. I, I, I think you're absolutely right that women do want both of those parts of their guy and, and don't necessarily know how to encourage it. You know, if they're frustrating and critical over the co-partner, how do they encourage, by the way, be the caveman in bed, be confident when in some ways she's beating him down (laughs) with criticism outside the bedroom. And then she's like, okay, you know, bring it on, baby. It's hard. Exactly. So that's what we're hoping to, if you find yourself in one of these dynamics, Instead of settling for either or, how do we create a relationship where you have both? Well, I I think that this is the task of secure attachment. And not all of us get married to somebody who is securely attached, right? And we're not necessarily securely attached from our childhoods. And so it's very difficult to do. But I think one way is basically to selectively dissociate when we're in the bedroom, like, you know, get out of your head. You know, don't, don't be thinking about the chores, the laundry, the bills. Try to truly get into another mindset. I don't like the word dissociate, but it's so <laughs> associated with my trauma training, what people have to do to escape. Uh, right? But what yeah. you're saying is, is to just kind of shift mindsets. I like that idea. Okay. Of, Maybe a better way to say it. I, 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 we're trying to get more specific with our words as teachers. And when, how do you get somebody to take their mind off of the dishes and the laundry mm-hmm. and focus on that more erotic part of their brain to really make that transition? Like, how, how would you go about doing that, Lori? Uh, you know, I think it's, for me, the same way that I enjoy watching a good movie. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I like, I like adventure movies. Actually, I didn't used to, but I do now. Mission Impossible and all that. And I'm not watching the movie thinking, well, this can't possibly happen. All these gadgets, all this stuff—that's crazy. It's like I'm watching it just in it, you know, enjoying it, thinking about it, and enjoying the fantasy of the whole thing. And I think that's what we do in the bedroom: is you kind of have to get into oh gosh how do you do that i don't know um help me with language here george because it sounds like you're letting yourself go you're not you're getting engaged in a story Mm -hmm. that you're watching in a movie 
So this is interesting. I'm trying to figure out how to how to implement that towards someone's sexuality. Yeah, I had a patient this week say, you know, maybe we could just role play. I'm like, yes, you could just role play because essentially they're intentionally putting on the act of somebody else. They're intentionally entering a sexual scenario that they believe turns them on. And and that's that's awesome. I mean, I think we don't have to role play to do that, but it's a it's a brilliant strategy. I think that's what makes role play so hot. Right. That's that intentional shift. And you could have outfits to do that or lighting or music. There are a lot of things we could bring in that allow the brain to feel like it's going into a movie. I really like that image of of the movie. Like how do you let every day Lori go mm-hmm. and make the shift into this adventurous Lori that's, you know, not necessarily the same as the everyday Lori. Right? There are different people, different sides of you can come out as you, you know, become a little bit more playful. Right. And I think one of the things that you talked about, the the wish that women have for the caveman, I mean, sometimes our sexual fantasies and wishes are not necessarily perfectly politically correct. I mean, maybe Maybe what you would want in the bedroom from your partner is not what you would want as your co-partner. You don't want to be dominated by your co-partner. You want equal say. You want equal responsibility. You want a sense of we're in this together. But maybe in the bedroom, it's like, no, no, no. You know, I don't, I don't want to have equal responsibility. I want him to take charge or her to take charge. Which is why you have to talk about these things. Most of us never see people talking about it. So we're kind of, we develop these splits into kind of looking at for in different people when we can probably find it in the same person if we learn how to bring out different sides of ourselves and line them up with different sides of our partner. Yeah. I think in order to lust after our partner, we have to be able to see them as slightly other. I think what is difficult is when we are in long-term relationship, we begin to believe nothing they can do will surprise me. But we, we have to think, you know what, I don't really know the far reaches of my partner's minds and fantasies, what they think. I, I think that is really long-term sex. What's so exciting is you have a long time to get to know that person. And I know many people when they're in shutdown sexually, they will tell me over and over with adamancy, you know, my partner doesn't have sexual fantasies. They don't ever masturbate, nothing. And, you know, then the partner comes in and I'll ask, well, you know, do you ever masturbate? Do you ever have sexual fantasy? Oh yeah. you know. <laughs> but it's just so shut down between them that their partner cannot even imagine them anymore as that, lusting sexual being you know they have split them off it's a great word lust that i'd like to talk more about after break and okay what we're hoping is people can use things like hey come in with a new look manscape right bring yeah. your lube in as a way of kind of mixing it up but it's not about the new stuff it's what this new stuff is allowing us to do which is to tap into parts of our own energies that can express themselves that haven't been allowed to express themselves in a very just limited kind of familiar routines that so many couples get stuck in (laughs) my husband's wearing manscaped cologne today so it just made me laugh okay let's come back after the break 
uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay is how you get 10% off uberlube. And why I love it is it is long lasting. I was just talking to a patient this week about the way that they need to use this because, you know, they're struggling with dryness and it's just such a safe way to make sure that no matter what happens, if you feel anxious or whatever, you know, the lubrication is there, it's ready, it makes sex comfortable and more pleasurable. I I just think people need to use it no matter what. I mean, it's fun. Right. And we win on all fronts. So when both people become more comfortable using it, we have more to work with and play with. It's silicone. So it is non-allergic. It is a great product, beautiful packaging. We encourage you to buy it, and it is uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay for 10% off. And when you do this, you help support us on the podcast as well, so we are grateful. Thanks. And it makes a great stocking stuffer. It does. Very excited, Lori. Uh, upcoming couples retreat weekend. Great <laughs> love, great sex. What an opportunity for couples to work on that sexual and emotional cycle. I know. I'm so excited we get to partner together to actually teach and share with couples. And we are going to start our enrollment for this basically in December. You can come to our website on foreplayradiosextherapy.com and there will be a page there about the Great Love, Great Sex Retreat. It's going to be on Friday, on February 5th, and we're really encouraging you to take the weekend away together, to do this material with us. We're going to have interactive parts, talking about the emotional connection, the cycle, asking your partner questions. We'll have little breakouts. We're going to keep it fun, keep it hot. It's going to be a fast day. We'll start at 10 a.m. on Eastern Standard Time, February 5th. Great love, great sex. Find us on the website and sign up. We don't give many guarantees, but if you show up for this retreat, you will have conversations you've never had with your partner before. So, G, what's your G spot? As a former firefighter, mm. I'm trying to make the connection between sex and fire fighting. Mm. So here it is. Sex is like a fire. Mm. It can warm you up or burn your house down. Oof. We're going to talk about lust. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think lust is the ability to kind of feel like it's okay to be selfish, to want to to want to use your partner's body, to use them and and also, you know, within a committed relationship, there's this sense that they want to be used. Mhm. And so you can let go a little bit. Right. I would think it's it's a reciprocal. Lot. Some of lust is also wanting your body to be used too. Wanting yes. to really turn on your partner, wanting to you know, it's about selfishness and selflessness. Mm-hmm. It's it's both. I mean we've talked a little bit about ruthlessness too in other podcasts, this quality that is similar to lust. You know, without enough ruthlessness, without enough taking in sex, it's not exciting enough. It's too flat. With too much ruthlessness, right, we don't care at all about our partner's needs and we don't care about their orgasm. And so then, you know, then we're hurting our partner. But without enough of it, I mean, I often talk to women particularly 
who it's like, you know, I don't know what I need. I, I, I just want to be there for him. And I can imagine how difficult that is for their partner who says, yeah, but I, I want you to want it. I want you to, you know, to lust a bit. Because that's exciting when your partner brings that to the bedroom. Yeah, this, the whore or the caveman are showing high degrees of lust. That, that's a turn on. Yeah, and I mean, for women, I think particularly that caveman lust, I think, is a huge turn on. And I think this is one of the problems that happens with, you know, when you're angry at your partner, your, your partner is frustrating in many ways, hard to see the caveman. And then if you don't let the caveman enter the bedroom or somehow or another you, you push that out, it really just flattens the whole experience. Because that, that energy, that male energy is important. I mean, I, I hear all the time men who say, you know, I want her to initiate 50-50. I'm like, well, get over that, you know, because <laughs> that's just not going to happen. A, she doesn't have the testosterone that does that. And B, I mean, I mean, testosterone brings so much energy to it. It's like, that's so exciting. I also think it's important for the caveman and the whore to show up outside the bedroom, right? That energy, that way it's, it's that way it's not so split. Like, how do you? Why can't you be both the whore and the Madonna simultaneously? That you can let the whore run the show where you're more erotic and taking risks and kind of intentionally tapping into that side of you. But maybe after an orgasm, now the Madonna's coming out where you really want to cuddle and just embrace and look into each other's eyes and you know, experience that great sex that is, you know, in your mind, in your heart and in your body. It's so often we're talking about. Sure. And you're talking about, you know, a flexible way of being in bed so that you have many parts represented, maybe the energetic part that is the whore and the caveman. I will say, I, I know we're going to get feedback on this because the whore is probably um, a tougher term, a more denigrating term than the caveman. Um, well, not mistress. Okay. The mistress, I mean, I, we're yeah. not condoling infidelity in affairs, no, but there's no. something to be said when, you know, your your partner at home gets... 90% of your time, but only 10% mm -hmm. of the engagement. And your mistress only gets 10% of your time, but 90% of that engagement when you have that time together. Right. There's a reason why that has much higher levels of energy. Absolutely. Okay, let's, let's do mistress. And we are still about committed relationships, but we're talking about a caricature, a way of being, right? I mean, one of the things I say, yeah, it's, it's really hard to compete with that energy of an affair, you know, because they bring the mistress and the caveman. That's all they bring. They don't bring any of the mundane. They're not paying bills together. They're not wiping bottoms, you know, and changing diapers. They're they're not doing anything. And they show up showered and shaved and, you know, and yeah. smelling good and dressed up. And, you know, they got sexy lingerie under that dress. And, I mean, it's it's all about sex. It's all about eroticism. And they are essentially play acting a scene over and over and over again. And, and then, you know, when you talk to people who do I want to give that up and go back into the tough work of making this marriage work and only get that some of the time, it's, it's a tough sell sometimes. And that's the good news to have research. You know, there are a lot of couples that pull this off. 
couples mm-hmm. that have secure attachment that describe the best sex on this planet can do both, right? They can find moments of partnering well and being equal in power and really needing that and appreciate and respecting that. And then they have ways of letting go of that and taking lead or following and just finding a lot of flexibility to move and incorporate many parts of their personalities with each other. Right. It's, it's actually insecure attachment. Secure attachment may sound boring, but it's actually the place that we can be open and let out those parts of ourselves that we can take more risks with. You know, it, it, the research says secure attachment sexually means that we bring intimacy and we are all about genital pleasure. It's both things merged. You have to be able to care about pleasure and care about connection in order to have the hottest sex. I appreciate you using the word insecure because that's so often what we're seeing with this splitting. It's like I can't come to my wife with these kind of more erotic sides of me, so I have to go elsewhere. Yes. That's not a secure attachment. That's not a secure attachment. This isn't that we are made to have two different people to go to. It's just we didn't know how to bring it all together with one. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And, and I think that it is difficult because it's difficult for us. Mm-hmm. Let it, it's, you know, sometimes people blame their partner. Well, my partner is an erotic. But you and I know we've worked with thousands of couples between us, and we know that it's dynamic, that the sexual relationship is as dynamic and problematic as the emotional cycle. You know, that both parts, mind, heart, and body, are part of our relationship. Right. And if you don't have secure attachment, you have good reasons why you're struggling. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of us grow up in families where we don't have it, and we then pick partners who don't. And it's really hard if you want something and your partner's not willing to work on it. There are a lot of good blocks that get in the way of having this kind of great sex. But mm-hmm. the good news is the more you could identify it, the more you can start coming up with a plan to start measuring success. I do think this is why I started the podcast is because it is a particularly uniquely difficult problem with people who have committed to monogamy. If they haven't, you, you need to listen to another podcast. That's not us. But if they have, the difficulty is Many, many needs can be met outside the partnership. If your partner won't pick up their socks, hire a damn housekeeper. If your partner is not good at fixing things, you got a handyman. If your partner doesn't make enough money, get a job. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can manage on your own or differently. But in sex, if you've committed to fidelity, there is no other option. And so this is why people get so stuck and so enraged at each other about this. And, and I understand that. And part of it is this split that we're trying to help you heal. That some of it, you know, you, you have to re-eroticize your partner. You have to begin to see them and imagine that they have an erotic side. Maybe they haven't told you all of it. You know, maybe they haven't felt safe enough to tell you all of it. And we are focusing, because there's a limited time in this podcast, on heterosexual couples for the most part, but the ideas that we're trying to communicate 
really are pretty consistent across the board, right? You need secure attachment to make it work. You need clean ways of communicating that create safety. If you're working with a gay couple, it's the same principles. If you have secure attachment, you can bridge this divide between how do I feel safe and also bring out that lustful side of me. The more room we have for all who we are, the more success we're going to have in both that emotional and sexual cycles. The difficulty when you're in the committed monogamous relationship, you know, is this. How do we let both parts out of ourselves? How do we see both parts in our partner? And that integration is the key. And the struggle is universal. It's okay to struggle. And you're going to go through phases where this is easier and other times it's harder. And what, what we believe is, it is your body's communicating. If you're struggling, it's because there's, there's something that needs adjusting. Mm-hmm. It's really the, the relationship telling you, you need to adapt and you need to change. And to me, it's that flexibility that is the hallmark sign of secure attachment. We all get rigid at times. And if we listen to the system saying shift and we shift, we're gonna find ourselves in a fresh place that keeps growing. I like it. Thanks for listening to Foreplay Radio. Keep it hot. We have a little referral for those of you who are in the EFT world and who are therapists interested in attachment theory. One of our colleagues who is brilliant is Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, and she is publishing a book called Using Relentless Empathy in the Therapeutic Relationship. And this is also for lay people. So if you're interested on how using relentless empathy works in terms of healing you and healing your relationship we really encourage you to go ahead and pre-order this book on amazon we'll put it on our website but it's basically how the power of empathic responsiveness coupled with attachment science and interventions helps heal us and we are excited and proud of dr annabelle bugatti and her new book relentless empathy and her contribution to the field where We're proud to represent her and to encourage you to go to Amazon and buy this book. Empathy is often the missing ingredient. It's the thing people are craving the most. And Annabelle Bugatti is an expert in helping partners learn how to provide that. Highly recommend it. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media.